Welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez, along with Cecile Munoz, coming to you from Bungalow One. <laughs> and let me tell you, Cecile, we've had a very busy last few weeks. So exciting. I am so proud of the fact that the last several uh, podcasts that we put out mm -hmm. uh, surrounding grind culture and the hustle, the hustle culture, mm -hmm. and how do we find a new way of of thinking of integrating our work in our life so we have the kind of life that we want and we are so proud to say that and thank all our listeners out there there were those podcasts were the most downloaded we have a bunch of new listeners we actually also have some really great insight from one of our listeners who took the time and thank you so much to send us a very thoughtful laid out email very very uh, open and honest and sharing about his life and we're going to get into that a little bit later mm -hmm. but so excited that we are connecting and, and hopefully helping folks as they go through different and challenging times in their life and we are reaching all types of folks and speaking of challenging um i had a bit of a challenge a few weeks ago and, and um you two obviously know about it and i spoke about it to our listeners a while back and that is um that i was um going to go um, into surgery to mm -hmm. take care of an issue. I had a congenital heart defect, which was called mm -hmm. an atrial septal defect. Um, in layman's term, that's a hole in the heart, in the upper chambers of the heart, that basically allows um, blood clots and other things to get through areas of the body that, that shouldn't be there. And Juan, I'm going to tell you, mm -hmm. we all knew this for months. Right before you we you went to the ultimate surgery and i know you're going to talk about the fact that you you had one attempt that didn't work that's right i cannot i i've got to commend you for showing up for the podcast being engaged and and happy in your fun loving self we see you on tv every night mm -hmm. and you were you know working and doing and giving energy I cannot imagine. I mean, I, I know a little bit because I'm I'm your friend and your family to me. I yeah. told you you you're you're I love you like you were, you know, my brother. How did you do that? Well, there was a lot of frustration and you know, part of, of, of my makeup, I'm always that guy that says it's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be okay. And I almost wanna forget about it, which mm -hmm. isn't great, right? Because that's denial and that's yes. not a good thing. Um but what happened was um you so know, you were born I, with this, right? You, because it was a congenital. It was congenital, and I had no idea I had this problem until exactly almost a year ago mm -hmm. in October where I had two dizzy spells, um, which led me down the road. I'm not going to explain everything because it could get <laughs> rather long. But um, at first, the doctor thought it might be allergies. I thought this was not a case of allergies because I just know my body. I've really never been allergic which to is things. so interesting mm -hmm. that's that's important for us to to talk to take a moment yes. and talk about that's why we say you have to be an advocate that's in right. your life mm -hmm. and the best way to be an advocate in your life is with information with first self-awareness knowing yourself knowing your body um, we should give trust and respect to doctors mm -hmm. because of course they are doctors but we have to also advocate on our on our own behalf. You know, you're, we all suffer yeah. with allergies. You have allergies today. Exactly. I have allergies today. You know what? It's knowing yourself and not necessarily going to Google as your first step <laughs> in diagnosing yeah. a, a Self diagnosing. Problem, right. So, anyways, um, this led me down a road. It sent they sent me to an ENT. Mm -hmm. He discovered through an MRI that I had two um, strokes, too many strokes oh in God. the in the bottom part of my brain that would have affected balance and hearing, which makes sense because I had 
to dizzy spells. So your ear, nose, and throat doctor is the one he that says maybe it. there's something here. Not a cardiologist, not your no. general practitioner. Right. Just out of trying to check your balance, right. which, I, listen, we're all over 50. A lot of people could just right. scratch it off as, oh, we're getting older. Right. It just, you know, I just knew I had never felt like that before. And I'm glad that I had the referral to go to the ENT. Mm-hmm. The ENT called me and he said, hey, don't panic, but this is what we found. Jesus. You're going to be okay, but you need to go see a neurologist and a cardiologist. Um, the neurologist, you know, ruled out a bunch of things, but the cardiologist found that I had what he first thought was called the PFO, which is a small hole in the same area of the heart. So as you were saying, I had one failed attempt at this surgery. It's in a catheter lab where... You're awake. You're under mm-hmm. conscious sedation, it's, which is mind blowing, right? Yeah, we're gonna go. Total. We're gonna affect your heart, or we're gonna touch your heart, or we're gonna do something related to your heart. Which I love it. The fact that mm-hmm. which they have to. They tell you, don't panic. But the minute you tell me yeah. that, I'm gonna. You yeah. know, my 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 fight or flight goes to a thousand, right. and it takes a lot of effort to calm yourself down yeah. to say. Oh God, they're about to no tell doubt. me something really horrible. And I'm an overthinker. So immediately I'm going there. I'm going to Cancer. the final chapter yeah. in the book where it's the end. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> And then I died. And then exactly. So anywho, um, the doctor um, just basically told me, I'm sorry, I cannot fix this. Wow. So I was sent to another doctor and, and thank uh, God, these two uh, doctors who saw me, two of the best Completely different university, university, right? Completely different hospital. UCLA. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still part of the UCLA medical system, but they were here in in Westwood. And they explained, hey, this happens. Sometimes um, a hole in the heart um, can be misdiagnosed as as being smaller or larger than what it is. And um, they still talk to me with a lot of caution, like, hey, we may not be able to close this because it may just be that big. There needs to be enough of a rim to stick a device in there to hold on so um the day of my surgery came and and they did sound very optimistic that this was going to go through but i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you right there because i remember juan i I don't know that i ever told you because i Uh know i was trying to edit my own feelings to not add stress to you but i remember we all you know got really happy the the first time around that you were going to have this surgery i remember you showed me i think you were you were you we, you and I were WhatsApping while you were sitting there and you were showing me what was happening yeah. just so that I could be there to provide support. And I remember when it didn't work because they said it was the hole was bigger. I remember right. being so angry and thinking, how the hell can they not know how exactly. big it was? How the hell could they have gone up there with a scope and a camera and how many letters do they have after the name? How could they not know? Right. But the truth of it is, it it's, it's in an exact science. Exactly. And and we have to we have to keep advocating for getting to the right mm-hmm. information and and uh, hoping and praying to whatever you believe in that yep. that you're going to get to the right doctors and they're going to get the right solution or that the solution is even out there right no doubt and you know another thing doctors did tell me you know I'm a thicker person with a thicker you know chest area and it's just hard to use some of these devices that are not invasive to to go deep inside your body and and look at the heart. Well, you're lucky you weren't a woman because if it would have told me that, I would have started checking <laughs> some of those doctors, but I, I get their yeah. point. The thing is, this definitely taught me patience too mm-hmm. because I just want to get to the finish line mm-hmm. and you know, I'll talk more about that in a minute and get over it. Um, but um, this this time around, it was 
still in a catheter uh, lab situation, mm-hmm. but this time they put me under completely. Mm-hmm. They went in through both um, my legs, veins in my legs, into my heart, and there was also a, um, a device that went down my throat to look wow. at my heart from the wow. inside back. And um, the surgery was a success. I remember uh, falling asleep after the anesthesiologist put me under, and it felt like minutes later I was waking up with the two doctors by my bedside saying, it was a success. And what they do, they put in what's called an occluder. It looks like a a little parachute, a little balloon. They stick it through your leg in a catheter, Mm -hmm. so it's folded, it's tight. It looks like a little, almost like a little Brillo pad. They go past the hole, they open one side of the um, the balloon, they mm-hmm. pull back a little bit and open up the other side. So basically there's two sides of the balloon on each side of the hole and it's made out of nickel and eventually over three months, your heart tissue mm-hmm. grows around that mesh and that device now becomes part of you and you're it's basically amazing done. what the body can do. It is amazing. Yes. And first of all, it's amazing that they did this all orthoscopically, right? Through a tiny little tiny hole um, in my legs. Um, if you were to see me today, there's they never put a stitch in. Yeah. All they did was put pressure on my legs as, as you saw mm-hmm. when, when you came to visit me. And you can't even see where they went through. It's kind of interesting. I, I can't this, even feel it. If this wouldn't have worked, what was the alternative? The alternative was open heart surgery, which, which I wanted at no cost. You know, absolutely did not want at any cost and, whatsoever. And they would have done it they would have gone right into it if they got there and this didn't Probably work. Probably not because I asked the same doctor. I said, are you the same doctor who would have to do open heart surgery? And they're like, no, we'd have to send you to a surgeon that does this Good type of Lord. thing. And when you do that type of surgery, you know, they yeah. put you on a heart and lung machine yeah. that then takes over the breathing and yeah. for yeah. you and, and the blood circulation for you while they basically open your chest and use like a neoprene to close the hole. Yeah, I mean, it's just a whole other very, 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 very complicated lung recovery, much more. Well, thank God, thank Mm -hmm. God that that you're on the other side of this. And you're right, Juan. I I remember I was bracing myself when I went to go to go see you. And Mm -hmm. um, the doctor's really great calling me after you came out of surgery, telling me that you were great. I had like 37 questions for them. And (laughs) and after about 15 minutes, I'm sure this woman. (laughs) I'm sure they were saying, uh, we've got other patients that we yeah. need to get to. Stop asking me, you know, if if that little, you know, skin discoloring he had on, on his left elbow is okay, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm making that part up. Um, I I actually had to brace myself, to. Mm. I, I really told myself, and Sean, I know that I had called you to say I'm on my way and just really getting ready to, for whatever I was going to see, but you looked fine I, mean, I, look, I felt great which was amazing they used propofol to put you under mm-hmm. and um i mean it really is it was like taking a nap there's just a period of time i don't even remember yeah. and today i went in for a follow-up and they actually showed me the video because there's video of the procedure and they were showing me how the, the device was now implanted and they were tugging at it to make sure Yikes. that it wasn't going to go anywhere how did you feel looking at you I mean, how many of us have the opportunity like to look movie, at our own really. heart? It's like watching a it movie. You're like, you okay, out? that happens, but I have no memory of it or feeling of it. But so. it doesn't freak you out looking at somebody tugging at your heart. Yeah. I mean, I know that we women yeah. talk about that metaphorically, and I guess men too. Right. But you actually saw it physically. It didn't. I saw it. It didn't yeah. make you squeamish. Actually, it didn't because I was so grateful. And let me tell you, when I woke up, it's funny. Um, it kind of coincided um, with 
my dad's birthday, who passed mm-hmm. away in uh, 2019, um, his birthday was a week after my surgery. And that Friday, I went to the Catholic church near mm-hmm. my house. I was praying for my recovery. I was Aww. being very thankful for my health and Aww. for these doctors, these amazing doctors that did their work. And I was also just, I wanted to put my my dad in my mind at that time mm-hmm. too. So it's funny when you go through a situation like this, you make a lot of deals with God, right? You're like, please, <laughs> yeah. you know, just yeah. let me get through this. I've got so much life still to live. I've mm-hmm. made it this far. I've worked so hard. I don't want a, a giant setback. And I put my trust and in, in faith in, in these doctors. God bless and, those doctors. And thank goodness my 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 heart was, you know, in good enough shape to mm-hmm. put this device in and it worked. And, you know, these two doctors over at UCLA, uh, cardiologists, uh, Dr. Jamil Abu Holson and uh, Dr. Daniel Levy, terrific doctors with an amazing bedside manner. In fact, um, they Dr. were so nice, Juan. I, yeah. I, they, you they, met them. That's right. I, I met them. Yeah. I talked to them. They, they, the first time they called me, I missed the call, but they called me right back. They and I, I remember I apologized. I said, I, I'm mm-hmm. and at some point. I, of course, I started crying, and I apologized for asking so many questions. Yeah. And they said, No, 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 no. We're here to make sure that you feel good about this because yeah. I know you're worried about your friend. I, mm-hmm. We just don't expect that level of kindness. There were younger doctors. That we didn't. Ex- I didn't expect that level of kindness. We should. Mm-hmm. We should expect them to connect with us at that human level. They were terrific. And um, from now on, I want my cardiac care to be in their hands because I could see what they did. As you've uh, mentioned in the past, uh, you know, UCLA is a teaching hospital. Mm-hmm. So these are the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, even today with my follow-up, um, the fellow that works with them, it's kind of like a mentee. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a doctor who's already a doctor, but mm-hmm. working under these working mm-hmm. doctors, they're terrific. All of them. They have such an amazing bedside manner. It's the culture, what we talk about mm-hmm. in the podcast, what mm-hmm. makes, what, what matters. And in, in the we say in, in the work that we do at U.S. Executive Search that culture is to the collective what character is to the individual and what you're talking about is the wonderful character and nature of these doctors is is transcending to other doctors which in turn becomes the culture the the thing that you feel that you don't see but you experience especially in one of the scariest times of of your life of anyone's life i mean going into the hospital is never fun uh, maybe when you're having a baby, but then something could always go wrong and it it's scary. Always, yeah, exactly. So if you're in the hospital, it's usually for something scary. The minute you talk about the heart, is it, it brings everything to clarity and, and mm-hmm. you start trying to connect the dots of your life to see what it's all adding up to. And I don't know if you remember this one. Did you tell me, do you remember telling me or do you remember mm-hmm. you told me that right before you went into surgery when you were calming yourself down uh-huh. before they came in and gave you the uh-huh. the happy pills the, cocktail, to, <laughs> the little yeah. cocktail that made you you know go into into never never land you said that you were talking to your ancestors you were praying to your dad you were praying mm-hmm. to your grandma you're yeah. praying to I did I did I was I was just asking all of them collectively for help you know if if there is you know that that afterlife that would be fantastic if if there is one and that they're there watching me. Um, I'm just like, you know, guide these doctors. Mm-hmm. Let me come out on the other end. Um, and I did. And I think just being able to concentrate and focus on that helped calm me down quite a bit. In fact, one of the nurses told me, what's going on with you? You came in, you were a lot chattier. 
Now, as we're getting closer to the procedure, mm-hmm. you've quieted down quite a bit. So even the nurse, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're looking out for these little signs. It's like mm-hmm. my mental well-being, right? Mm-hmm. My mental health at the All time. All of that matters. And um, I was really glad that they did that. They noticed that. And it made me reflect and say, hey, I'm, I'm, doing I'm just the right taking thing. a moment to, you know, reflect. And this is something very serious for me. And um, that's why I've quieted down. That was... That was all that was. And I think I, 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 having gone through my share of, of never ending medical. You've had several, yes. With my autoimmune diseases, absolutely. But I, I, I connect with what you're saying because I, I, I think it's part of your faith, but I think it's also in large part, part of our culture, Juan. Sure. In the Hispanic uh, Latino community, we we believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. We believe in in heaven, and we believe that our ancestors, Angels people that love us, spirit guides, are and, there to yeah. pr- protect us and to mm-hmm. take care of us. And and as much as you and I are realists and we're part of the real world and deal in real facts, uh, you and I don't necessarily go to church, but church will always be there for us as a as a safe and sacred place. And mm-hmm. that's the truth of all of us. We are a composite of nature and nurture we're yeah, a composite of absolutely. the things that we choose to do and things of and, and who we choose to be and mm-hmm. what we choose to believe in but a lot of who we are still is deeply rooted in mm-hmm. our our race and our ethnicity and our culture and how we grew up so how are you now how you like i said you look great you looked great the minute i saw you after surgery but yeah how are you now I, gone back to life what's really weird is again this is congenital right so mm-hmm. i was born with this i've been living with this for 54 years so which is amazing right? because you've always been very athletic right. i and, mean we met in a dance mm-hmm, class in a for dance class sakes. um never a great runner but you know Mm-hmm. Aerobics and dancing definitely not not a problem. Um, I feel great. In fact, I think I feel better than I did. You know, even before all this started mm-hmm. happening, um, mentally I feel better. Um, I might have mentioned to you um, in, in another podcast there were times at work when I would be walking from one end of the mm-hmm. studio to the other you where I kind of hug the wall and just every once in a while touch it because I was afraid. What if I have another dizzy spell? You know, mm-hmm. I, I just needed to ground myself. Now I'm walking, getting up, moving around, and I'm only three weeks, you know, mm-hmm. past surgery. I still can't do anything very strenuous for maybe another month. I have to wait for them to give me the clearance. I can walk all I want. That's not a problem. But anything that requires you holding your mm-hmm. breath, heavy weight lifting, that's definitely off the table uh, for right now. Thank God. So I, how am I feeling? I'm feeling great. And it's amazing because that is how, as a, as a, as a species as a as a living thing as an Mm -hmm. entity as a vessel how incredibly capable the body is to adapt as well as the mind so you were doing these things and you thought yourself i'm not a great runner never because thinking maybe there's a physical impediment in me that is stopping me from being a great runner you weren't a great runner because you have a hole in your heart i'm thinking not a great runner definitely i also am a mouth breather Mm because i have a an obstructed airway um from birth so, you know, I just thought that's just me and I'm just, you know. And the body and the mind adjusts. Mm-hmm. And I know we, we've talked about what happens when we consciously and unconsciously go on autopilot. And a lot mm-hmm. of what you're talking about are mm-hmm. is behaviors and patterns that you've just done all your life, not right. knowing any different. But now you can hopefully make different choices. Right. And that's why constantly checking in, first and foremost, knowing 
ourselves, knowing how we feel, knowing what's this is normal about how I feel or what I can do versus this is not normal. Um, and being kind and careful with yourself. I am glad you are now being kind and careful yeah. with yourself yeah. because I got to call you out on something, Juanito. I've got to yeah. call you out on something. And I think... I know where this is going. <laughs> and, and I'm glad that you... I'm, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, yeah. To, to, to tell the truth, uh, it was actually Sean that... Our that, executive uh, producer, Yeah, our Sean executive Lowe, producer yes. and, and dear other family member <laughs> that, that uh, ratted you out, rightfully so. Yeah. He sounded the alarms and he called me. Your doctor mm-hmm. said... Take a week, a week off. off. So would because Tuesday, you have a sedentary right. job. If you didn't right. have a sedentary right. job, you had to take two weeks off. Right. Your surgery was on what day? It was on, when, Tuesday. on Tuesday. Um so I was let go from the hospital Wednesday um, afternoon. Afternoon. And I went back to work on Thursday. Um Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Crazy. Yes. Um again, part Why? of me, as I mentioned Why? earlier in this um podcast, is that I just so wanted to get on the other side of this. I just wanted to put this in the rearview mirror, move forward. I felt good, and it wasn't until I got to work, and you know, your your body is still processing the anesthesia, still processing the medications. They put you know blood thinners into your body so they can get in there and see things correctly. Um, I realized I was exhausted. Like, really? really, you thought you were exhausted? <laughs> I know, Juan. But it wasn't until I stopped moving because I was at home resting. The day after, the day I came home from the hospital, I slept all day long on the couch. Because you don't sleep at the hospital because right. you're stressed I, out about what's going to happen. I didn't sleep happen. at the hospital at all. And um, yeah, I went to work the next day. I thought, okay, I slept all day yesterday. I slept most of Thursday and I don't go until three. That that should be enough, right? I No. I yeah, It was not enough. No. So you yeah. anchor the news and yeah. I'm sitting at home on Thursday mm. and I get a panic text and call from <laughs> from Sean and I I actually said you know WTF what do you what do you talk yeah. are they and I'm thinking I actually thought are they rerunning the news yeah we like don't some, rerun the news <laughs> exactly how stupid is that that's yeah. how I will that's how incredulous yeah that's how unable for me to make yeah. the the sentence work he went to work I know where I was yesterday yeah. yesterday I was pacing the floor rushing to the hospital Thanking God that my yeah. friend was okay. Yeah. What do you mean he's sitting at yeah. the desk today? Yeah. So why do you think you did it? Juan? And again, I thought, you know, okay, it's not a super active job. I'm either standing or sitting. I could be standing or sitting at home. But, you know, there is a different way of, of speaking, of, of presenting yourself, of holding your body up when you are um, working on television. And um, it's not the same as just sitting slumped in a mm-hmm. couch. So I think that definitely uh, made an impact on me. I finished my shift and I called in the next day and I said, I'm going to have the next days off and I'm going to probably take Monday and Tuesday off, which would have then given me the week that doctors recommended. And I'm so glad I did because I still was tired for a couple of days after that. And, and why did I do it? Um, I don't know why I did it. I just, I, I, I wanted to be back. I, I, I wanted, uh, I don't know. I just thought, I should go back. I, I love that you rationalized why it was okay for you to yeah. go first before you got to, I don't know why I did it. Yeah. And that's what we all do, Juanito. We all, we all 
we all want to keep going. Yeah. We all want to yeah. find reasons to validate mm -hmm. a choice, especially when we know it's not the right choice. Yeah. I think you went back because I get it. I understand it. I have done it. I want to prove to myself that I survived this and that I'm going to be okay because yeah. I don't want my life yeah. to change. I don't want my life That's to end. That's exactly what I, I was saying. For I, me, it wasn't about the hustle and bustle. It wasn't grind culture for me. Or afraid that you were going to lose your job. Or afraid I was no, going to lose my God. job. In fact, um, my scheduler said, take as much time as you I know need. they were super supportive said, of you. I said, oh, I'm feeling great. I'll be back on <laughs> Thursday. And even my coworkers, when they heard my voice in my cubicle, were like, what? Yeah. Like, oh, you're here? Um, I'm like, yeah, I feel great. Da -da -da -da. Oh, you look great. And they were kind of, you know helping to validate a little bit, you know, saying I looked great. Because they want to be supportive of yeah, you. They want to be supportive, but yeah, I should have stayed home. And this is a lesson for everybody, you know, listen to doctors, listen to your body, listen to yourself. If, if you are tired, it's okay. Stay home. And you'd be surprised, you know, um, People your bosses will understand. are going to be very supportive of that. I mean, you're right. It is cardiac surgery. It's crazy. It's not invasive, obviously. Um, they go through a, a, le a catheter on your leg, but it is still surgery. And I was still knocked out less than 48 hours before. And I still um, went to work. Aside yeah. from the fact that, God forbid, had you fallen or gotten in a, yeah. in a fender bender, it would have had horrific Correct. consequences. Correct. And it's amazing to us. And that's the other thing that I think it's important for us to think about and to balance out is in as we as we will continue in uh -huh. the next few uh, podcasts, continue to talk about other aspects of balancing our work and our life and the choices that we make and why we make them and how do we find a, a support structure with within our own communities within our own um, professional lives at our jobs at our work and and how do we know how to make those choices best right. for us because it has right. to start with us right, right. I I know that I I started texting you the minute Sean no, told I me and a then lot, I, a lot of my friends and did I called too. you um, yeah but no matter what I said, you mm -hmm. still did what you did because it starts with you. And yeah. And again, it wasn't work. It wasn't no. afraid of losing my job. It was me. Afraid just of losing you. Wanting to get on the other side of this thing. Okay, I've made it. I tapped out. We're Boom, done. I'm Move done. on. I'm done. Move on. But no. And, and you still need to take care of yourself. Like I said, I'm, I'm here in week three. I had another uh, follow up today. Um, they wanted to check to make sure everything was okay. I have another follow-up in about 10 days and then maybe in six weeks or whatever and so on and so on. So it's still, you know, in my brain, it feels like this was six months ago, but it was only three weeks ago. So um, I'm sure a lot of people can can attest to that. You know, time does go by rather quickly. Because you wanted to. It does want, go by um, quickly, but you wanted to. But have you found that you have... Um, connected in different ways with different parts of your life that you found an, uh, a new appetite or that you're doing things that before you didn't do. Uh, I know lots of people I have unfortunately have had a lot of friends who have had mm -hmm. horrible, horrible, horrible uh, diseases. One friend has survived six different things from brain cancer to lung cancer to breast cancer to kidney yeah. transplant. I mean, she has... There's always somebody else who's She had has survived all of you, that, of but... So I've, and I've had friends who haven't, who've lost their battle and at every, at every step of something traumatic, which yours yeah. was traumatic, mm -hmm. 
they found a, a different way that they engage with life. Uh, one individual I remember, um, he said to me, Cecilia, it sounds really crazy, but the minute I came out of surgery, all I wanted to do was have sex. Um, which I thought, wow, that's really dramatic. Yeah. Dr- dramatic. And of course, being me, I started reading about it. And uh, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. Oh, wow. And I actually was listening to um, to uh, Esther Esther Perel, who is a wonderful mm-hmm. clinical psychologist that focuses on human relationships. She does lots and lots of TED talks. She is one of the foremost Mm -hmm. uh, authorities in her field and she works with couples Mm -hmm. and she talks about that people do that um, because it is such a core human need it's a core human connection Mm -hmm. that when we come out of these life-threatening or life-altering moments that we want to connect in such an intimate interesting serious way that they found they found themselves connecting with their partners or their loved ones and conversely people that weren't happy found a way to have found a new desire and i actually then i remembered reading this one book um called uh, emergency sex which was really interesting and it was about uh individuals people Mm -hmm. who work for the un who go into war torn countries okay and about different ways that people create these incredible bonds because they're every day living in under the threat of knowing, not knowing if they're going to survive. So it's right. another way of having a really human connection. Other people find a new way of uh, enjoyment for cooking or eating certain foods or doing. <laughs> well, for me, it wasn't sex. It wasn't <laughs> eating. In fact, you know, being being something that was placed in my heart. Um, it's funny when my partner was driving me back from the hospital and even running around town just to go to the supermarket or or do things later. I was so nervous about hitting potholes, speed bumps, (laughs) anything that could possibly dislodge this device, which as I was telling you earlier, doctors yanked at and pulled at to make sure it would stay in place. Um, I was thinking a speed bump could, could knock me out. So um, I, I don't, I don't, um, you become identify obsessed with, driving? with being obsessed with sex or being obsessed with, <laughs> Maybe you know that's what just me. I do feel was, was different in me. I think I've become a little more patient mm. and also a little bit more thankful. Aww. And I listen to people longer. I, I'm thankful for just little things, Aww. you know, and I'll, and I'll just, I'll be thankful for a conversation I'm having with somebody where in the past, maybe I was, you know, in my mind, just being a little, a little short or a little snarky or a little just, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm taking it day by day. Like uh, today I woke up this morning and the way the sun was hitting these trees outside my living room window, I was like, look how beautiful that is. Look at the golden rays hitting that, that tree. And I, and I told my partner that when he got up and we're having coffee, I'm like, look how beautiful that. And I find myself doing that a lot now too. Um, is just being very thankful. So um, you're more present. Yeah. You, we mm-hmm. we give value uh, sometimes more value to things that we take for granted. For sure. Um, when they're almost when they're almost gone. Um, and when you see a finish line like that, like a possible finish line, like if I wouldn't have woken up, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known. I would have just that would have been over. It. And I've worked so hard for so long. I've worked, you know, through college Mm -hmm. up until today. I've never stopped working. I've never not worked that I want to eventually enjoy the fruits of my labor Mm -hmm. and just slow it down and just exist. Mm -hmm. And you always feel like situations like this put you in those situations where you're thinking, my goodness, this could all come to an end. And 
what does it all matter? What, what, what matters, you know, it's not the car you drive or the house you live in or, or, or what clothes you wear, because at that point, nothing matters. I think of my dad uh, in the hospital mm-hmm. when he's passing away. Nothing mattered at that point to him. You know Just what I mean? You nothing guys does. were there. So anyway, so that that's that's how I feel. I think it's made me um, a lot more patient and a lot more thankful and conscious of being patient and thankful with people. Well, and that you're focusing on your life now. I know that we as Hispanics, we we especially if you were raised with with the church ever present or your faith mm-hmm. ever present in your life, there's always this promise of you got to be good today for when you die right. in the future because that's the real life. And in mm-hmm. historically or, or religion always. Uh, some of the more restrictive religions, the, the Protestant religions and so forth within the Christian faith, they you were supposed to, life on the planet was to suffer because all the happiness was going was to be when you died. Right. And, and I think that concept doesn't really make sense to generationally now. Um, and and so I'm glad that you're able to, to embrace that. And what I wanted to also point out is that I think we as Hispanics have to be perhaps more aggressive in in our own health uh, management in mm-hmm. how we support each other mm-hmm. because culturally we are less likely to go to to the doctor and mm-hmm. statistically doctors tend to maybe not be as aggressive uh, as to to believing or listening mm-hmm. or acting on what we say um, I also know that sometimes we downplay because we feel that we have mm-hmm. to be tough or we try yeah. to to take care of things through our own self remedies. It's particularly in my mind because, as you know, we just started uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. That's right. And I do think about that a lot. I do think about how I propel myself forward, how we propel ourselves forward. But I always think about first myself and then my, my family and, and community around yeah. me and then the community at large. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hugely important to talk about that for a moment especially in light of what you went through. Indeed, we need to talk about it, Cecile, because for a lot of us first-generation uh, Americans, mm-hmm. in my family, the women necessarily did not trust doctors. Really? They self-medicated quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, even with COVID, COVID's recent. My mom's not a dummy. She's a smart woman. Mm-hmm. Um, she had heard that if you put a white bandana on the um, doorknob to the front door of your house, that would keep COVID away. Or Are using you... Vicks Vaporub under uh. your nose would help create some sort of shield oh where the virus God. couldn't get into you. Oh so my God. this is just something that, you know, it's wives' tales things. I've always grew up listening to those sort of things. I, wow. And yeah, it, yeah. Well, the VIX, I know you're Cuban, right? That's uh, right. The VIX, uh, the VIX is, is a cure-all. And the VIX is a cure-all for Hispanics. Uh, yes. The Greeks have the Windex. We have the, the, the VIX. And we use it for colds and, and mm-hmm. flus and all of that. That's true. Um, I, but I... Wow, the white bandana. I I know my. I couldn't m- believe it when I came home the first year. And your mom COVID is a hit. is a hip woman. She, I know she's in her what eighties, but she's out and about. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I came home uh, that first Christmas in twenty twenty, and I saw a white bandana. She actually had it on her door. It's not like doorknob. I heard this, but yeah, she I'm actually like, what did is it? this. I thought it was maybe Before something to wipe your hand, oh. or uh, I don't know what it was. And when she she almost giggled to herself because she knew it was a little far fetched. Wow. But she told me that she had heard, you know, it's through that grapevine, the Cuban grapevine, that having this this bandana or this white rag on the doorknob to the front of your house would somehow keep COVID away. 
And that's why cultural sensitivity, cultural mm-hmm. awareness, and cultural understanding and, and, and patience and compassion yeah. is import, important. Compassion. In, tr- in trying compassion, to homogenize yep. all of us, I am a very proud American. All of us are proud, sure. proud Americans. We identified first and foremost as American. Mm-hmm. But in large part, the way I experience life, and I like experiencing my life, is through the lens of being Hispanic. Exactly. I can relate to that as well. Even the wacky stuff and even the crazy <laughs> stuff that, that we talk about, but to demonize us, to put us on in the fringe or worse yet, to to shame us for wanting to keep that part of ourselves and not make us any less American is wrong. And that is something that we, it is a good opportunity for us to talk about, especially mm-hmm. during Hispanic Heritage Month. I think Many times people don't get the type of services that they want. They don't go to the doctor. They don't ask the questions they need to ask. And worse yet, they don't take care of themselves the way they should because they simply don't understand or they're influenced by what, you know, like you said, in the rumorville, the the Cuban rumorville. The grapevine, The grapevine, Mm -hmm. sorry. And even with so much outreach, you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of organizations here in Los Angeles and in Miami that do this outreach getting services mm-hmm. to the people where they need it people are still hesitant here in los angeles i know for example some of these clinics there's a fear that it could be um a police raid or it could be uh, an immigration Ice. raid yeah. or mm-hmm. or they're going to take your personal information and it's and they're going to come after you and you know even the lapd says you know we don't care your immigration status. We care about your safety and Correct. your security. Your health. And even with that message out there, there's obviously still that, yeah. that fear. Mm-hmm. And we always have to fight the the never-ending polarization that spreads like wildfires yep. through social media. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great things that we can put out through social media, but there's also that other side of that. There's the yin and the yang of, mm-hmm. of disinformation that happens. So staying connected within our community, staying connected with our friends and family network, and above all, leading from example and creating a safe space to to talk about these things and gain some information and I want to circle back to our listener who I'm so excited Mm -hmm. that he reached out to us and even more so that he found a safe space to talk about how he connected with with the ground culture and the choices that we make for the kind of life that we live and those are some Mm -hmm. of the topics that we're going to keep talking about as well as some other topics that are more relevant to how we experience life through the lens of our own culture as we head up Mm -hmm. into uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. That's right. We're going to be talking very soon about quiet quitting, quiet firing, finding that balance, Mm -hmm. the different schools of thought on all that. Uh, But going back to this uh, letter that I received from one of our listeners, it's um, regarding our podcast from August 1st, mm-hmm. which is, is grind culture grinding you down mm-hmm. when we were talking about how hard people work mm-hmm. and, and, and how why it just, we do it exactly and why they do it. So, um, here's what that letter said. And it's a great example about how not everyone, you know, um, validates themselves with, with hard work mm-hmm. and, and with whatnot. And here's what he had to say. So he writes, so that podcast episode was inter- interesting. I couldn't identify with it really though because I never subscribed to being that kind of person. I am far from an overachiever, was never a workhorse, although I've always given 110% at any job I've had. The grind culture always seemed ridiculous to me and I've always wondered why people do it to themselves. I don't think I believe the DNA part of that so much. People choose to do it because they have this overwhelming need to keep up with others, prove something uh, to others or to themselves to climb to the top 
or to even make up for a lack or other important things missing in their lives. Not that wanting success is a bad thing, but at what price always seems it to end up being. I am, first of all, thank you so much yes. for, for taking the time to listen and taking the time to digest mm-hmm. it and then put it through the lens of what does that mean in your life and for sharing the perspective. What I mm-hmm. find uh, extraordinary is the fact that he was able to frame in almost two sentences what we were trying to frame in our podcast which is you can give 110 percent you can give everything that you have to give from your your energy and your knowledge and your Mm -hmm. intellect and not be part of the grind culture you can do that which is um in my opinion it, it 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 leads to my own personal belief of quiet quitting i think that it's poor choicing a choice use of words i think it's sending a mixed message um because somebody says that i think one of the the, some of the research that that sean was able to to find from us which we're always so grateful for where he said it's not a a bad it's not a bad thing it's just the 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 verbiage and and you can keep doing it but I, I disagree with that. If mm-hmm. you are quitting, then if you're not happy there, then find somewhere to be happy. If you want to quit, quit. Go find something. Right. Be very thoughtful about it. I, and I think it is important to work hard and to give all that you have to give in anything that you do in life mm-hmm. to find fulfillment. But it doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice everything else. Right. And it doesn't mean that it should define who you are as a human being that you Mm -hmm. have to find that balance and i think that that's what he was talking about indeed finding that balance we've talked about it here work-life balance is so important um you were mentioning something that i think ariana huffington wrote an article about Mm -hmm. and that's exactly right if you're not happy at a job quit and find something you have passion for then that way it kind of satisfies both things right money still comes in and you you get a a need satisfied versus just sulking at a job you don't like yes and so in the topics that we're going to be addressing and and how we're going to be breaking this down and unpacking it even more um two things that we're going to talk about in in our next podcast one is harvard business review that you know i always i always lean on Mm -hmm. because i think it's just brilliant minds Mm -hmm. they uh did an analysis and their just to summarize it their takeaway was that the the not quitting is worse than quiet quitting correct uh number one Uh and number two another uh brilliant individual who written several books he has his own podcast uh scott galloway he says that quiet quitting is doing a tremendous disservice for you because it's it's giving a false impression to people to to really succeed because life is getting harder Mm -hmm. global competition is getting stronger there's a greater division between the have and the have not. Right. So to tell someone that you can, uh, using words from our generation, dial it in, phone it in, right. do the minimum. Those are the words. No we, extras, right? Those mm. are the words we used to use instead right. of quiet quitting. That you're you're setting a false expectation for people to think, young people, especially people mm. new in their careers, that they could just do the bare minimum and somehow they're going to end up having the things that they want and having the life that they want. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last perspective I'll bring, it is it is what uh, what Ariana Huffington was saying is is to say, um, to borrow a term from uh, from the Spanish culture is viviendo me vidas no, a, medi- a medias no es vivir. Right. To live a life half lived is not living. Not and living. I think mm-hmm. when you're not truly enjoying your work or bringing your whole self to work, you're only living a half a life. And those are some of the things that we're going to explore. 
right. in the next series of podcasts. So are you a quiet quitter? Have you been a victim of quiet firing? We're going to be talking about mm-hmm. that. That's when your job necessarily doesn't give you the, the support that you mm-hmm. need. We'd love to hear from our listeners as well to share their stories so that we could possibly include it in the next month or so of podcasts because we're just, as you mentioned, just unpacking a very important subject that has become a very hot topic these days. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one because above all else, you matter. Thank you.